0: It is really important that um, we share really honestly where we went wrong,
1: what didn't work, what did work, what we've got now, uh, and how great life is. It is possible to move on from being an active addiction. We're on Instagram, which is the underscore Dynamo Project. I think... What else are we on? Drugs. No. (laughs) Are we? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, no, <you're> <laughs> I want that in there. Essentially, I use drugs to not feel no more, to take that away. And then, and so I'd be left with these feelings of shame and I just couldn't handle it or process it. I sometimes look in the mirror and I don't like what looks back at me and I think I need to do some work around that.
0: From listening to the podcast, there seems to be a recurring theme that this is where certain themes and certain challenges or even trauma like starts from an early age.
1: You need to reach out for help. Don't expect this to be done for you.
0: Welcome to a very special edition of Addiction to Recovery. This podcast is normally hosted by the brilliant Pete and Kieran from the Dynamo Project. However, this episode is a little bit different. To celebrate their one-year anniversary, we thought it'd be a good idea to go right back to the beginning on how it all started, and that's with the main man himself, Kieran.
1: So Pete won't like you referring yeah. to me as the oh, main yeah. man. Sorry. Well,
0: he he could have been here You're to right, say that. Yeah, yeah, joking. exactly. Me um, and
1: Pete are both the main men. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, don't oh, tell I said that.
0: <laughs> but no, it's Thank a really chair. like interesting like kind of way of doing this? Because obviously we've been producing the podcast for you guys since day one. I'm a huge fan of what you do and like from commentary and just in general, yeah. the kind of impact that you've had. Um, how, how does it feel kind of going into like the one year anniversary?
1: It's quite a, a surreal feeling. Um, Cause a big part of why I started the Dynamo Project is I didn't want people just to see the Dynamo Project as an organization. I almost want people to think when they think of Dynamo project they think of Kira and Pete and Claire, and it makes it more human and I think if people are looking for help and support it's it's almost slightly easier to to come to us because we are we have put faces to the name and that was that was part of my thinking but in any business, Taylor, you will know this yeah. when you started um what 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 you do to get to a year one is um it's very very difficult mm-hmm. and A lot of people start off with wonderful ideas, uh, great endeavors, but ultimately a lot of them fall by the wayside. And if it wasn't for the support that I get off my family and those around me, um, I too could have uh, fell by the wayside. But thankfully, um, we're very nearly one year old. And um, I think it's like sometimes you tap into that, whether you're talking from ego or making it all about me it's not all about me but i feel very proud
0: so um, you should
1: yeah of of what we have what we have done as a team to reach a year old and uh feels kind of surreal have we achieved anything by getting to a year i think so but there's so much more we need to do um we need to carry on on working hard um i have made i don't know how many mistakes i've made in this first year (laughs) But uh, what I need to do is make sure I don't make their mistakes in year two. Um, no doubt I'll make new mistakes in year two than not to make them in year three. So it's it's a learning curve. I think uh, I'm learning on the job.
0: Of course you are. And in fact, I don't think that kind of learning ever stops. And one of the things that I'd like respect, like you and the whole team for, is that you've kind of taken those, like almost like the losses, the pain, and you have turned it into not only like your purpose or kind of like the lesson, yeah. You're you're now kind of giving back to this whole community that is is so empowering because you only have to kind of mention Dynamo and automatically, especially in Coventry, they know who you're talking about. Like you've built such like a community that is, you know, like you only have to see it on social media and like how kind of empowering it is. Like that like you're championing these people that you know you've you've lived through that experience yourself. Yeah. So to now be in a position like a year on over something that was so, it was created out of the pain and kind of for yourself to now being able to like, Oh, like I am doing this. Like you, you, it'd be weird if you sat here and said you weren't, weren't proud. Yeah. In fact, I'd probably ask you to leave <laughs> yeah. your own podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'd probably say no. <laughs>
0: I'd
1: probably say yes. Cause I'm a, a people pleaser to the, core. Yeah, and I'm, I'm
0: no. <laughs> but do you have Getting back to the kind of like the podcast side of things, obviously you start each one of your shows with a question that has been left by previous guest. The previous guests, which is yeah. is some of the answers to this, like I genuinely, I have to fight back the tears sometimes when I'm sat over there, like listening to this conversation. No, no <laughs> I'm very sensitive, <laughs> um, but they've been so empowering, and like it's just regardless if you're struggling with like addiction or any kind of that even listening to that gives you that kind of confidence and like yeah i can do anything kind of thing um but obviously the last guest that you had on was the brilliant kevin and also my sponsor yes i didn't know that until (laughs) today yeah brilliant brilliant guy i I,
1: I trusted him to help me so he he had his work cut out but uh, (laughs) we have a really good relationship and I, i thought he was a brilliant guest so um i can't remember the question you left I hope you do
0: of course, but it's my, it's my job, today. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but it was, it was the way he kind of articulated is probably going to be a lot better than the way I, I yeah, <laughs> articulated. Yeah. but it was around the kind of like the journey and the opening up and around the experience.
1: Yeah,
0: It's quite, I feel like this is quite a difficult one to answer, but he said, okay. is there one word that would describe your experience so far?
1: Um, I can look at it from two ways. I think the answer that comes to the head straight away is challenging. You know, it is, um, people may think that being in recovery from addiction issues is, um, is not so challenging, but it, I find it very challenging to, 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 to be in recovery, um, mm-hmm. on my own worst enemy. Um, but the one word, I think I'm going to change the word. The one word I would describe my journey so far is humility. That's the word i would use um, wow. because humility is a massive part of my my life and without humility um i wouldn't stay clean um so i'm going to say my first answer was challenging but i think on reflection i'm going to say the answer to that question would be the word humility
0: that's a powerful <laughs> position to be in. <laughs> anyway. So just to give you the heads up with this. You got a bit of time. Obviously, we'll have a bit of a chat about the journey so far to get yeah, to this point. Okay. You do realize you're going to have to think of a question now to ask yeah, <laughs> the next yeah, guest. Yeah. So just prewarn okay. you on your own
1: show. Yeah. Okay. It's got to be a good one, has not it? <laughs> exactly. No pressure.
0: <laughs> um. But let let's go back then. So how did this kind of like journey start for you? Obviously, you kind of like dissect like your guests in a way that you kind of start from the childhood because. From listening to the podcast, it's very much like there seems to be a recurring theme that this is where certain themes and certain challenges or even trauma like starts from an early age. Like what was your childhood like?
1: Hundred percent. I think um a lot of people, when you say if you go out there into society and you mention the word addiction, most probably people will go drugs, alcohol. You know, it's all, almost the go to word, isn't it? <laughs> Um, but from doing the work on myself um, and from helping those around me, a lot of addiction um, stems from the times before we've even picked up a drink or a drug. And yeah. um, when I when I say when I when I refer to doing my work on myself, for me, it's the step work. Also, I'm part of a twelve step program, so a lot of my um, the work I've done took me back into my my younger years, and I've heard some horrendous stories of people's childhoods, horrendous. And you're listening to them and you can, you know, you'd go, I can see how you've ended up the way you ended up. You know, what what chance did mm-hmm. you have? But I'm the I'm the opposite way. I grew up in a very loving home. Uh, my mum and dad couldn't do enough for me. Everything I needed, I had. Um, I had food, roof over my head. And for whatever reason, um, I ended up where I ended up. But I found my childhood very, I didn't have a traumatic childhood, Mm. but I found parts of it traumatic and that's not because of what was done to me. Nothing was ever done to Mm. me. And I had everything that a child would need, but I, I don't understand why I found it so traumatic in terms of particularly with school, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which
0: is a, it's a difficult, difficult place to navigate, regardless of what walk life I
1: was, um, I was unbelievably naughty at school and i was speaking to my dad about this last night um just in a general conversation and i remember being in in school in the classroom and i don't know how old i was but i was young it was definitely primary school and i, I remember looking around and, and thinking why am i different to everyone else i couldn't i just felt different i don't know what it was and i had real behavioral issues um and my my mom Back in primary school, my dad took over in secondary school, (laughs) but in primary school, I went to, I was, I was, I was brought up in Radford and I went to St. Augustine's and my mom was forever in and out of that school. And it was the same. I was never like nasty or bad. It was just misbehaved all the time. And it got to the point where I weren't even allowed to take part in lunchtime. My mom had to come and pick me up and take me home for, for lunch and drop me back. in. I wasn't allowed to be within the. So I was probably having a negative effect on them. Um, all my school reports were the same, same every year. and My mum my had to go and see the teacher every single Friday. And uh, the teacher may as well have just done a, a template because nothing ever changed. Um, but I remember I now know it to be anxiety. I, I was always on edge at school. And I, um, I think I, I believe anxiety is, um, has a lot to say from the way my life turned out.
0: With that um cause obviously when back when we were in school like the whole anxiety thing wasn't
1: really oh, I wasn't spoken uh, about no like the
0: absolutely you no know, I mean until recently I don't think yeah. in the past five years I've understood what anxiety is from doing the work that you're doing now like obviously not only on yourself but with others do you notice kind of like almost like traits that you're like ah uh, like that you can either relate to or you can kind of almost yeah. advise people on yeah
1: because people, like I said, people think addiction is to do with substances, right? Um, but for me, addiction is about, it's, a be- it's to do with your behaviors. Yeah. So if it was, I always say this, if it was only about drugs, then every single person out there who's taught drugs would become addicted. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. So it ha- there has to be something more to it. And my behaviors were, were erratic from, from day one the one thing i i know from when i was young is i craved other people's acceptance okay i wanted to be part of so much um so i would i'm a, a chronic people pleaser um and i would just do anything just to get validation of others my opinion on myself didn't matter it was what you thought of yeah. me and that's what i my self worth come from what yeah. somebody else thought of me
0: have you ever kind of tried to address where that comes from or have you got like almost an answer for that um
1: no I think this there's only so this is what I say to people there's only so much focus you can put on why why something is the way it is you then you have to almost shift your focus into what and what are you going to do about this because if you're forever trying to work out why you lose sight of what you need to do to turn your life around so you have to get a balance in that you have to understand why you also have to understand what you need to do to, to change your life around. I think sometimes, for me personally, I, I like to look for an answer to go, that's why I do that. I like to hide behind that. Um, like when I was on drugs, all these – I'll go into a bit later, a bit later on, but it was chaos, it was carnage. And if someone said, what's going on with Kieran? Oh, I'm on drugs. That's why. And then when I put the drugs down um, and I remain clean, the same things were happening i like, what's going on, Karen? I'm like, it's the, oh, It's not the drugs. <laughs> so I haven't got an yeah, excuse for but this. But the though. drugs, like anything else, is an external excuse. And in the end, I ran out of all the external excuses. And I was left with no option to look within. You know, I am the reason why I do what I do. And I think um, my school was... I found school traumatic. Um, I didn't feel like I, I fitted in in school.
0: Did that transition kind of or even that kind of journey into secondary school, which is a, a horrible thing to do, oh, regardless s- of what you're secondary school thinking.
1: I went to what um, does that look like? I went to um Card Newman. Oh, I went, went to, to Wiseman. Oh you went to Wiseman. So did oh. my mum and dad. <laughs> yeah they're from that that side. was their first mistake. That's they <laughs> yeah. I think it was separate. I think it, I think it was separate then they must have met on the bus or something yeah. um, but I went to I went to Newman um and I found it difficult in Newman and through nobody else's fault, mm. I was an absolute idiot at school. And I mean that, right, I was a prick in mm. school. Um, and that, I look back now and I used to like pick on people, not in a bad way, but I liked it when somebody else was getting picked on and I because I knew they weren't going to pick on me for yeah. a bit. But I was, um, yeah, I found secondary school quite traumatic. Um, just again, I'm very good at... Um, putting i'd i put in masks on and I'd, act, I'd i'd try and act in a way that i thought other people wanted me to act a chameleon yeah hmm. in, in a way and then then people wouldn't like that person and it wasn't even the real me does that make sense yeah it? no and Completely. i was too i was too scared that if they got to know the real me that they wouldn't like me but maybe they would have liked me i don't know but i think if if people from school were to speak about me it'd, it'd probably be he was a bit of a right can i swear a bit of a twat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm just here to ask the questions yeah. you yeah, do well. i was um i was i was very troubled in the classroom mm. i was causing i was i was always misbehaving i was always sent out of class um, i think at one point whether it's in year seven or eight i was removed from the classroom for a while and put into a classroom with other kids like me so that was uh just misbehaving yeah. and um i didn't get home with school at all to be honest with you you
0: mentioned primary school your mom did yeah. the kind of like the yeah. in and outs and kind of the, but then you also mentioned that your dad did something oh, yeah, you kind switched. of made yeah. a little bit of a laugh about it yeah
1: yeah was
0: that a dynamic like a shift in dynamic sorry yeah. with the kind of different parental role
1: yeah i think my i think my mom to be fair by the time i left primary school she'd she i don't think my mom uh necessarily deals with uh, conflict mm best and it's you know she just probably doesn't want to hear the same things about her son uh, week after week so when i went to secondary school i think my my, because my dad was at work and my mum was only across the road from primary school then my dad sort of took over that role and i know he if it wasn't for my dad i would have been kicked out i think he was in there fighting my corner many many times Mm. you know i I would never go to school i'd always i'd just skip school and just go spend the day Uh, i I normally go to counter park I'd go sit in counterpart, but that's probably where I had my first dabble with drugs was in yeah. secondary school. And a lot of people say peer pressure. I don't think I was victim of peer pressure. Mm-hmm. I, I I think because I saw other people doing it, I'd wanted to be, I wanted what, to be what, what, I like, because like, obviously
0: you, you asked this question quite a lot yeah. um, between you and Pete. Yeah. And I always find it really fascinating, like the drug of choice yeah. or the alcohol of choice and stuff yeah. and what age it kind of, what, obviously you said secondary school so what age and what was the first kind of substance that you i think uh, dealt
1: with i'm gonna say it would have started with um cigarettes yeah um is a drug Yep. But i remember smoking for the very first time i absolutely hated it back in them days you saved twos thirds or beef
0: <laughs> no, i haven't <laughs> heard that <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've heard that from about five
1: or six years. I think that's the only conversation where two's up, <laughs> thirds up, yeah. beef. And that's, and that was probably my first like substance I thought was, was a cigarette. And then, um, remember draw? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Of draw. I don't, I remember, I remember taking that. Uh, I remember smoking weed early on. Um, that didn't go down well. No. I had, a, I had a bad time on that. Um, and then sort of alcohol sort of come in. Um, but I don't think, I think I was, Pete was, I think Pete was very quite young when he tried substances. I was probably, um, a little bit older, but I remember drinking for the first time. And, um, I like, probably like most teenagers, you know, I'm no different. I I liked how it made me feel. Um, but I knew early on that I would drink and not stop. Um, I didn't understand that at the time, but I look back now and I'd be, I'd I'd get drunk to to completion, but it wasn't until I was a little bit older. I don't think, um, I wasn't. I wasn't really drinking at school, so to speak. I was just misbehaving yeah. at school. I remember what? I remember once I nicking. Um, I I'd nick teachers' handbags, just like thieves. thieves yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one time one of the lads had uh, told me to put through the window, but RA. I just did it without thinking. Unbeknownst to me, the class was in there, and yeah. there's me stood by the window. <laughs> so I got I got suspended for that. But I got suspended. But a lot. then
0: if you're looking, like you said, like even from like primary school and stuff, if you are a people pleaser, yeah, and you are looking for that acceptance, yeah. you are gonna do those kind of things, like to kind of feel like you're part yeah. of something. I'm very,
1: or... very easily led. Very easily led. Um I think I'm better now. Um, people may disagree, but I, yeah. I think I'm better. Um, but at school it was um it's like um if i see if i saw someone with something on, and somebody else commented that was well cool Mm. i I had to have what that person was wearing you know it was mad i I was very i'm very obsessive yeah um it's like my mates used to fancy different girls yeah (laughs) you know throughout the school year but whatever reason i i just i just fancied the same girl yeah you know, I just.
0: With that, so obviously you are very open about your addiction journey. Obviously, yeah. we'll kind of like dive into it a little bit more. Yeah. Obviously, the day's kind of like after school.
1: Yeah.
0: But there was obviously a layer of addictive behavior
1: before you, yeah.
0: like, you said it, like before you'd yeah. even kind of touched any kind of substance. Yeah, definitely.
1: I'm very obsessive. I'm very compulsive. um And that's something that I recognize from my, my younger days. Yeah. Chronic people pleaser all the ingredients are there for someone that's going to suffer with addiction issues later on in life.
0: So what happened after school then you've gone through that kind of like weird, kind of trying to figure out who you are kind of phase of secondary school. What did life look like once you'd left school?
1: So I, 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 in my GCSEs, um, I didn't do very well. Um, and then I, th- I think I stayed on a sixth form to do, um, GMVQ or something like yeah. that. Um, I, I was there for a year I think I was there for a year I didn't, I didn't do very well in the outcome of that um but I think when I got to 16 to 18 and I was I was in sixth form I was um just starting to go out um I've got I've got a group of friends um who I still um see, see to stay yeah. and I still class them as friends although in my using I didn't bother with any of them and so I lost contact with them for a lot of years. But I I fell into a a settled group of friends in sixth form and we would do the things that most teenagers would do. We was down the collie on a Friday night. Um, I'd go down there with a tenner. You'd come back
0: with change as well. Yeah, I'd walk walk down there.
1: I'd walk (laughs) there from my house all the way down to the collie and then then walk all the way back. So I had a tenner to spend on drinks, but you know, there was quite quite happy times. Mm. I was was playing football um, and I just, I had a job at JJB, remember JJB, yes. it's where the empire yeah. is, um, I got a job there um, and things were okay, you know, well, I believe anyway.
0: So was there a trigger point, because obviously from the outside looking in, everything that you're kind of saying is like, it's fairly standard childhood, yeah. like nothing, kind of... was there a trigger point that made you turn to kind of other um, substances?
1: I don't know, I don't know, um, it's a difficult question to answer. Mm-hmm um I, I think i've always suffered with uh low self-esteem yeah. low self-worth my opinion of myself even to this day isn't good yeah you know um and it's something that i do need to work on but i you know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I, I don't like what looks back at me and i think i need to do some work around though the people are say you know you're doing well gear and all that but ultimately until what, you see it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. um what was, what was i talking about then
0: it's about like the trigger points like about like having low yeah. self-esteem and
1: but like I said, I'm a very, I'm a very obsessive person. And uh, when I was I remember when I was about four or five, um, we lived on Wallace Road in Radford and uh, or Cursley, whatever it was, and it got burgled. All right. I'm not laughing because it's funny, but you know, mum and dad didn't find it funny. Yeah, I remember I remember being in the in the, the back room and I, some someone walked in and I looked up and it may as well have been a giant. Wow. And, I was like, Whoa. and it was a policeman. Obviously he's come round to do some like what's going on with the burglar. Oh, I thought you were gonna
0: say it was the burglar then. No, no. That heart no,
1: no, it might have been, It yeah. might have been in disguise. But I was like, wow, and I remember I was mesmerized. He yeah, had had all the gear on yeah. and I was out. And and then from then on I was just I was obsessed with becoming a police officer. From such a young age. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember at school they'd do like career days, what do you want yeah. to be, and everyone knew what I was gonna say was to be a police officer. And then I remember my teacher went. You're never going to be a police officer. Yeah, you know, you're too naughty. Um, but th- that come from then, and no, would the job ever come into my head other than becoming a police officer.
0: But then there's also something quite impressive about that, though. Yeah. Because the fact that if you knew from such an early age that's what I want to do. Yeah. You need to give yourself a bit of credit because you also made that happen.
1: Yeah, I'm very. I, I am a very driven person, but I'm I'm enabled to focus on multiple things. Yeah. And once I get something in my head, I find it that it consumes me. Um, and, that, and that's what yeah. and i also knew at the time that like, you didn't really need like fancy qualifications back then mm-hmm. to become a police officer um i think it's changed now yeah i think it's changed now so but back then i don't think you needed them and so i almost just and yeah. that's why I, I decided to join the police
0: i was about to say so obviously that's leading on to the kind of like the question around like your time in the police force yeah how much can you talk about that? Because obviously, I imagine there's obviously a lot of kind of stuff I, I, you I talk, can't. But
1: yeah, yeah, I talk um openly. Okay, so I joined the police in um 2000, and I think it was 2007. Okay, December 2007, or it might have been early 2008. I, I can't. I've had a lot of drugs since, <laughs> and I can't remember. I, I can't remember what I
0: did this morning. And also, you throw like a pandemic in there, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It's like, did. It's been, it's been yeah, a while. I
1: think it was, it was definitely. It might have been 2008 it was it was i don't know what it was anyway and i joined i was only i was 20 i was 20 um, very very young very young but when i joined the police um i knew it made my mum and dad really proud and that's something that i'd never made them i don't think in yeah. terms of my achievements there might be moments in my life where i wasn't always bad but i think they they, they, were, they were quite proud that the son had become a police officer mm-hmm. um so yeah, I joined that. Uh, I was only I was only young, and um, I I felt part of you know because it's it's quite a good community within the police. But um, I joined the police. This is uh, this is a true story. I joined the police on a Monday, and I and then you trained on you trained in Birmingham, and and then you 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 go on an eighteen week classroom course. I think it's different now. I don't mm-hmm. know. Anyway. Um, uh, so we started on the Monday that Friday come and then the following Friday, we got issued our warrant cards, right? So we went out to celebrate and, um, I got absolutely hammered. I was down icon, oh <laughs> absolutely, <God. laughs> absolutely hammered. And uh, I got, and I was wash, waving my warrant card around to get in clubs and I got locked up. <laughs> oh yeah. I got, yeah. I got arrested. Yeah. I don't even mean a copper 10 days or five oh. days. Yeah. So, back then there was like a a copper sergeant that was in charge of the new recruits. And the first time I met him was in the office to explain why I'd been arrested, waving my warrant card round. So I was almost going into, cause then I was in Birmingham and then I got based in Coventry, but all the the management knew about me because I was the police officer that got arrested. He's only been a copper two minutes.
0: (laughs) Did that affect anything like, I very, could, could nearly, that, I, very,
1: I very nearly Lost my job. I
0: was about to say, could yeah. that have prevented your obviously yeah, I moving nearly forward? very Lost my
1: job. It went on for ages, and um, I, I, I had to complete all my training with that hanging over me. Um, but yeah, it's just you know. And
0: what what is a warrant card? Sorry, just say. It's
1: the, you know what the you, the police badge. Right? Oh, okay. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if someone asks for ID, you yeah. show them your warrant card, but it's quite a big event when you get. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but even getting to like 18 and showing like your idea like yeah i'm finally old enough to actually
1: yeah. legally be in here
0: so i wanted
1: to let people i was because i've been so used to letting people down like, you know and, and being a. and i just wanted to let people know that i'm um I'm, you know, trying to police yeah. least to look at me and I, it's all nonsense now but yeah i was only 20. you know and but it, it was um yeah so people still have no doubt that's all <laughs> about now I was only, you
0: know, well, moving forward then so obviously I know kieran now Yeah. obviously i didn't know like you obviously like growing up or anything like that in between the career in the police yeah to obviously the the opening of the dynamo yeah what happened because obviously this so, is almost like polar opposite yeah. kind of career so
1: paths I, I reckon for the first four years of being in the police um uh, things were going well um I was, I was i was just working and obviously i was going out getting thing, but I had, um, I, I had a re- relationship breakdown, which is completely, was completely my fault. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know I caused a lot of upset and devastation around that This was in 2011. Um, and I was, I was meant to be, I was, I was getting married.
0: Wow. I was okay. getting
1: married and, uh, down to my actions. I won't go into why, but down to my actions, um, the wedding never happened. yeah Um, and I think that had a real, and it's difficult because I caused so much pain to the people. So when I say that it caused me a mental breakdown, I don't think it's going to carry much weight, but I think it did. I think it did. And that was in 2011, August, 2011, I was due to get married. Um, it obviously didn't go ahead. And there was a lot of fallout around that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it led to me going on, going on the piss a lot more. Um and I was out one night I was down at Hollyhead on a sunday night um i'd been on the, been on the all day, and someone offered me a, a line of coke um and i still' still a I'm still, yeah. still a police officer at this point and i hadn't I'd never touched cocaine i don 't know how early twenties i don't know what i know how old it was um and i don't know why who knows doesn't matter now, but I had this line of coke, and um it made me feel magical. Yeah, it made me feel magical. It made me feel alive. Now, all of a sudden, I felt this overwhelming desire to go and talk to people. It gave me the confidence that I'd always lacked, and I and I went down Jacks. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so Jacks, yeah. two for one. And like jacks. <laughs> um, and I had one line. That's all I had. Yeah. One line, and it, it I had. I, look, I say I had the best night ever. I know I didn't have the best night ever, but at the time. I was euphoric and I couldn't believe that that one bag of powder could make me so, make me feel that way. I understand what happens now.
0: But listening to kind of like what you've kind of said about like primary school, secondary school and yeah. like bits and bobs that like you've said, just in, obviously in this conversation, it almost like from what I heard, Titan. I don't want to put words into your yeah. mouth, but it was almost like that kind of like bag of powder almost became the answer
1: hundred percent to everything 100 percent and my decline it. from that point to where it ended up was rapid it was rapid. okay so i was i was drinking a lot i'm still you know imagine imagine going to work as a police officer i know and you've been on drugs the night before it was yeah. such. it's almost was like a so, big contradiction oh, So and I, I just felt so i was ashamed of mm. myself but each night out i couldn't go without it I couldn't, I, I had to have cocaine with me and I was, and in the end, I was, I was on payday loans yeah. almost immediately. Um, and it just, my whole life fell apart in a, in a blink of an eye and I'm, I'm trying to deal with my mental health had deteriorated. I was, I was on the, we call it on the sesh, don't we Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was on yeah. The sesh all the time. And at the same time trying to balance my career as a police officer and um it's
0: two different lives oh, but...
1: it was it was absolutely it's absolutely crazy and um the wheels fell off and I think people at work started to see something wasn't quite right and in their way they tried to help me I remember they they transferred me over to to Birmingham yeah um a, a change of location a change of scenery may do me good but um, I was already on that slippery slope, and there was no there's no stopping it. And I remember that, um, I remember, now I can talk about this. I remember going to a job, I was single crewed, and that's what they mean when you work on your own. Oh, yeah. um, and I, a, a woman had called about some domestic incident, it doesn't matter what it specifically it was. And um, I remember that I'd been on drugs heavily the night before, and I was on the dual carriageway, I can't remember the road in Birmingham, when blues and twos go in. And I remember thinking "Fuck me, how unlucky is this woman to be going through this scenario. She's called for help and she's getting me drugs in my system, blues and twos, putting other people's life in danger. I remember I pulled over and just broke down crying and I had to say, I can't, I can't do this. And uh, I remember speaking to my sergeant, you know, I'd been ringing in sick a lot.
0: Yeah,
1: Uh, I think my granddad died about 10 times. You know, just that thing got my, yeah. my dog just yeah. lies to the thing off. They knew something wasn't right. And I went in one day and they took me off the shift. Um, so that they said, You can't go out there no more. And I was, you know, I'm putting myself in danger, I'm putting my colleagues in danger, I'm putting the public in danger. And I remember saying them words, I can't stop taking cocaine uh to the to the duty gaffer or whatever it was. And um that was it. I handed in my warrant card yeah. and uh I never went back again. That was it. Wow.
0: My next question was literally going to be like, was there a, almost like a rock bottom? Would would would, would you kind of describe that as a rock bottom? or was I there always tell like, the story
1: and it makes people laugh, but it's not funny, but it's like it gives you an indication of how in the madness I was. I remember um, ringing my dealer saying I ordered an eighth or whatever it was. Um, and he said, yeah, yeah, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I said, all right. So off I go, I drive there. And I'm sat outside his house. You know, he's not coming down. I'm desperate here. I need drugs. I rang him. I said, listen, where are you? And he said, listen, Kieran, I can't come out. The old biller outside. And I realized in that moment, I was on duty.
0: You were in the police car. I was in the police
1: car. And I, I know people laughing I told him that. But that's how the wow. session... Isn't that bad? Oh, yeah. Yeah, little did he know, I was the old yeah. bill. <laughs> Flash twice of it's you. Yeah, that's like an example Yeah. Of, Nothing else mattered in my yeah. life other than getting drugs. I'll go there in me police car and police unit. pick up drugs. Yeah. No wonder you wouldn't come out. <laughs> <Bloody> <laughs> come out. So I me- I remember driving back and saying I'm ill and going back in my normal yeah. car. You know.
0: With that then, was there like what was the turning point? Because obviously going from having this career, like making the parents proud, yeah, like yeah. having that kind of feeling like I'm doing something yeah. kind of good. I, when, I, when, I, when
1: I left the police, it was a massive relief. Okay. It was, I just remember feeling this weight lifted off my shoulders. Not that I was going to stop using drugs. Yeah. I, I My head says, now you can use drugs and not worry about being caught at work. Mm-hmm. Um, But when I left the police, that's when my life went into absolute carnage. That's right. when it was, and that's not, that's not the police's fault for me going. That's my fault but that's when it just went into oblivion because I had no reason whatsoever to, to want to try and change my ways. When you're
0: talking, when you're saying like oblivion and like chaos and stuff like that, like what can you kind of give me a bit of a drug
1: taking was was, that's all I was interested in. I was using drugs every single day, doing anything I could to get them drugs. My, my flat became, uh, squalor essentially. Um, I remember looking out the window once and, uh, I had a box all back Vectra and I remember the low loader coming in, uh, just putting it on the back of the lorry and pissing off and I wasn't bothered. <laughs> I wasn't bothered. Well, to <laughs> you add, when you're
0: in that kind of yeah. space and stuff like it, it's just kind of like, well, the worst is
1: happening. Yeah. So and then, and then I thought it'd be a good idea to get a job down the Hollyhead. I went down the Hollyhead and got a job, you know, <laughs> me struggling with drinking, drinking alcohol. So I thought I'll work in the Hollyhead and yeah. that and that went tits up. Um, I ended up getting arrested. Um, from there, one night fighting or whatever it was, and I've been arrested a few times now. Mm. Been arrested a few times, and uh, you know that's that's embarrassing when you get when you go into the custody station.
0: The people Phoenix there, no, yeah,
1: it's yeah. me, and yeah, it's bad Bad times.
0: What was the turning point?
1: Um, I was in a new relationship at that point, point. Um, and I can't remember when that relationship started, but um I went to when I when I, when I left the Hollyhead and my mom everyone knew I was struggling with drugs now this wasn't yeah. a secret it was out in the open you know I remember telling people I've got a problem with drugs and thinking that they didn't know they're like we know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I thought I was dead secret yeah. them, but everybody knew
0: really you would like to be fair though there isn't a le- level of like honesty there though yeah with you
1: yeah yeah I'm mean, my own worst critic but um yeah. So when I, hell yeah, I had no other option, um, so I, I went to work at my dad's factory cause my dad's got a business over in Bedworth. Um, and I just went to work in the factory over there and I was sweeping up and stuff. And, um, that was my life for my life for a little while. And I was, I was there for a, a good few years. Um, right up until the point I left to, to start the project. Yeah. Um, but my drug taking was still, was still rife then. Um, and yeah at times i'm
0: going to go back to the question yeah you kind of scared but, yeah i can't but, remember yeah question. i
1: just waffle what was the turn
0: what was the turning point you've realized obviously so, was there support there or like i need to do this for me
1: yeah i remember so we there's a word that's in recovery called powerlessness i am going to answer your question right now powerlessness when you feel powerless now i never knew what that word meant um but um, I was very heavy on drugs when uh, my daughter's mom was pregnant. All right? uh, very difficult to talk about because I yeah. was, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, scumbag, basically. Right, But I always thought to myself, when my child was born, I'll stop using drugs. And I thought, no, because no one wants to use his drugs when they've got a baby. Yeah, yeah. So I built it up in my head that when uh, the baby's here, had a daughter. I didn't know at the point I was having a daughter. When my daughter was here, And that would be when I stopped using drugs. I was almost looking forward. I was looking forward, to obviously, being a dad. But looking forward to ah, I was naive. Thought great. It no was like a new life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember holding my daughter for the first time, and I was overwhelmed with this emotion. Obviously, the emotion of holding my daughter for the first time and being a dad. But it, I, it was emotion that was. I knew in that moment I couldn't stop. And it was a wow. very—I can't pinpoint a word to describe how that made me feel. I was holding her, looking at her, and the very first thought I had when I saw my daughter was how I felt sorry for her wow. to be born into this world and to have me as a dad. It was a—it it was a, such a, a difficult time in my life, and I—it's mad to think about it. And I, I really struggled um, with being a dad because mm-hmm. I just didn't—I thought I always thought she was better off without me.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: that how, why does she deserve to be born into the world and have a dad like me, I was just about really sorry for her. I was looking at your own daughter yeah. feeling sorry for her when you meant to be there to protect your kid, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't protect her, You know, and my, my drug using it, it went from out of control to, to when Freya, when I remember Freya, called when Freya was here, um, it became to the point where I was using to hurt myself. It became nasty. Is that Yeah. I mean? Yeah. It yeah, became yeah. nasty and i'd use and i'd look in the mirror and just shout obscenities at myself yeah. you scumbag and that took me to a very very dark place so my daughter's she's eight and a half mm. now um, i've been clean for nearly three years so that gives you an indication that drugs was part of my life for yeah. the first x amount of her years and life and uh it's difficult you know it is difficult
0: man first off i need to obviously thank you for sharing because I, I didn't know that yeah so that to to kind of hear that but to say that out loud must be an incredibly kind of like painful but yet kind of like empowering thing to do um but i also think you need to give yourself a bit of credit here because there is not many people that can go through something like that and having that kind of negativity to then turn it into almost like the purpose to be like i'm not going back to that place which kind of leads me into that is obviously once you are clean how how did you find that whole kind of process obviously you mentioned all those are the 12 steps and stuff Yeah.
1: so obviously i'm wrapped with a lot of shame mm. no not guilt there's a difference between shame and guilt yeah. now i feel guilty when i have a few too many biscuits mm. right it's shame yeah so every time i used to look at my daughter i was filled with these feelings of shame so i would try and get clean and the feelings because essentially i use drugs to not feel no more to take that away and then and, and so i'd be left with these feelings of shame and i just couldn't handle it or process it so i'd go back to the same thing that put me in that position in the first place and that's what they call the cycle of active addiction and okay. it's a hard cycle to to break um but i yeah it was just a really difficult time and you know i've heard it from i'm not alone you know um but it i said to i said i remember saying to my dad i said dad i, I you know this is a very important moment in people, someone that's suffering from addiction. When you have that, it's not a weakness. It's when you surrender. And I remember saying to my dad, I said, oh, I can't, I can't stop taking drugs. Yeah, It ain't happening. So I need, I need some external support because yeah. it's not going to happen. And you know, I wanted to, I used to write notes, you know, to, to people in my family because oh, well, I didn't want to be here no yeah. more. I used to run off to hotels, be in there for days. I'd have blood all over my face from the amount of cocaine I was sniffing. Yeah. It's just, it was just a real desperate time. And I just, you know, i I remember one night taking a load of pills. I had to be rushed to hospital. You know, I, did, I, I got to a point where I didn't, I didn't want to yeah. be here no more. I used to drive around off of my box yeah, and hoping I'd get pulled over.
0: Yeah.
1: Never did, thankfully. But I just, I just wanted, I wanted it to be over and I couldn't, I couldn't work out a way it could be over other than being locked up and go to the prison. Or, or to end my Life's.
0: life, yeah. When it came to those kind of moments, obviously you kind of talk about them now, like, and they were almost like, kind of like proud, not, they're not proud, but like, yeah. you can look back and like, just see, like, you know what? You went through it. You're kind of like, what I get with you Kieran is like, you own your mistakes. You're like, yeah. I know I did it. You almost, yeah. you take real good kind of like accountability yeah. for your actions. When it came to kind of the, the help and like those early stages, yeah, I went to, did you struggle or yeah,
1: massively? I went to when I spoke to Dallas, I said I can't stop taking drugs. It ain't happening. I want to, but I can't. And for someone that's not going through addiction, that's very difficult to understand. You want to stop, but you can't. I just couldn't stop. Yeah. Um, so I went, that's when I went to like a rehabilitation centre. Um, still very wet behind the ears at this point. No idea about addiction or anything like that. And I remember going in and he was like, oh, Kieran, what are you here for? I said, oh, I just want to stop taking cocaine. And he said, no, Kieran, this is to help address addiction issues. And I went, you're not listening. I can't stop taking cocaine. And he's going, no, we're going to help your addiction. And I was thinking, no, you ain't getting it, dad. I said, you ain't getting it. I said, I want to stop taking cocaine so I can go back to drinking. Wow. Okay. You know, I wanted yeah. to get back to being able to have a beer without. Um, I was deluded. The other stuff, yeah. Yeah. But I, I now know what you're saying makes perfect sense. And they were on about this abstinent based life, but I weren't interested in I just want, I, I, I viewed cocaine as the reason why I do what I do. If you take cocaine from me, all of a sudden Kieran's back. Yeah. I now know that's very false. Mm. <laughs> but in that, in that, but my very first day in rehab, it was over in Leicester. They took me to a, Twelve Step Fellowship meeting. I go to Narcotics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not as much as I should actually. A lot of people will tell you that I need yeah. to go, go and <laughs> some more. But I went to a meeting that my very first ever meeting on a Friday. Um, and I sat there with the rest of the people that are in rehab at the time. And someone, I went. Someone sat in the circle, and then we talk about how we feel. Someone shared about um, being in the care of their daughter while sniffing cocaine. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know. That blew my mind. Mm. I thought, I thought I was the only person in the world who did yeah. that. It blew my mind. And I thought my mum and dad had somehow planted him. Yeah.
0: With that though, because I, I was going to mention this earlier. Yeah. You've probably seen me like trying to chime try me. From listening to the, the podcast itself, you labelled yourself a monster. Yes. On an earlier episode. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Because of that. And it was a question that I kind of had in my mind that I wanted to kind of address with. When you were in that and hearing that back what what was kind of going through your head, did was it a state of panic or like you just said, like about your parents almost planting someone there. Yeah. Like what was the thought process then I, when you I heard felt, him say that?
1: I felt straight away I was in the right place. Although I fighted it for years after I knew I was in the right place. And in these meetings they celebrate clean times and you get a key ring. I don't in some different fellowships is different, mm. but where I go, you get a key ring. So they celebrate your first meeting 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months and so on. And, and this, this man got up for 30 days, right? And then someone told me it was 30 days in a row. And Oh, wow. He hasn't taken chucks for 30 <laughs> days. I couldn't get my head around it, but I thought he's just spoke. Like I speak, he's done that with his daughter as well. If he can do 30 days, maybe I can. And it—it it was. I needed to hear that on that night, mm-hmm. but I did resist it because um, I—I'm a rebel, I think, at my core, and it's—it's uh, it's all about how I want to do things, which goes against what recovery is.
0: Yeah. Would you say that was quite like a pivotal moment into kind of like yeah. your recovery journey? Yeah,
1: hundred percent. So I did my stint in rehab. Yeah. Um, I came out ready to fight the world. I've got all this knowledge now. I haven't used drugs in. I think I was there six weeks. I haven't used drugs in six weeks. I'm a changed man. I remember giving a spiel to my dad on the whole way home. This is why I do this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go to all the means. I'm gonna do step work. I'm gonna help loads of people in recovery, um, get back home. I was on I was on the crest of a wave for yeah. a little while. I engaged with the local community in Coventry. Uh, first time someone offered me a line of Coke. I went to a wedding, because I thought I was ready. Mm. Um, someone offered me a line of Coke in the toilet, bang. Square instantly, one. instantly snipped it straight away, and that was it. It started all over again, because I now know I put myself in a vulnerable position going to a yeah. wedding after about six weeks, and the, the lad, the lad's father, he didn't know yeah. what was going on. He said, "I oh, want to." Because I was known as Cocaine Kira. Yeah. That's what I was known as. Wow. Uh, he said, "Yeah, I'd want a bit of that." And yeah, all right, like, yeah, so I was, I was at it all over again.
0: How long was obviously because obviously the, the period before you went into rehab obviously it was over like a number of years. Yeah. How long was this stint of kind of using again?
1: Um, Well, I stopped using um, December 31st, uh, it was New Year's Eve, 2020. So 21, so that would be, I'm three years clean on this New Year's Eve. Amazing. So that I was in and out of, I was trying my best. I had little snippets of clean time, um but um everyone was giving me like ideas of what how to combat it and i was just i, I weren't mm. interested i was i was determined to do things my yeah. way and then 2020 hit which we know what happened in 2020 yeah. great year yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and uh that's when uh that was a real bad mm. year for me um i was on drugs really heavily wow real heavily um i went to I went to hypnotherapy. Um, I was trying all these things, trying to look for a reason why I am the way I am. And I got to New Year's Eve, I had a drinking Guinness. Um, and it got to about nine o'clock, and I put the Guinness down. And I just thought, had enough. Don't know what it was, don't know why. Wow. I just thought I've had enough. And I put it down and I haven't had a drop of alcohol since. But I have done quite a lot of work on myself in that yeah. time. It wasn't some define, yeah, defined moment. But a ray of light on yeah. you, like, this is it. But when I was very heavily on drugs, I, I always had this, I used to have these fantasies, mad, not mm. sexual ones. Yeah. <laughs> <Fancy>. <laughs> Just yeah. Yeah. I probably did, yeah. but I ain't called them on this podcast. <laughs> I ain't ready for that. Yet. <laughs> but um, I used to have this fantasy of creating something to help other people like me. And I, you know, I'm know, sniffed up, out of my head, and I'm thinking mm. about things like that. It was odd. Yeah, uh, It was odd. And um, I remember having this idea in my head about creating this project yeah. to help other people. But I couldn't, I was too scared to make it a reality, to make it into words in case people laughed at me. Yeah. So I remember going to my dad, I was probably about six to eight months clean. Mm. And I said, I want to start a project to help people. And I think he humored me. Yeah. I don't think he wanted to say, Kieran, don't worry about it. He sort of humored the conversation. Them conversations grew, um, and then we were thinking about who, who else I get involved. This is fictional, yeah. you know. It hasn't happened. It's not reality. And I, I have two mates, Pete and Sam. And uh, you know, I remember we all sat in a room, the four of us, my dad, Pete, and Sam, and a little nightpad something on the ready, and we discussed how a project would look like. Um, and from that one conversation, what's grew since has, has grown. It's amazing
0: mate it is more it is it is phenomenal yeah and it's almost like you kind of had to go through that to yeah. get to this point and I to me, I hadn't even kind of thought about almost like there's a layer of stigma around not only that subject of addiction in general but when you're kind of it's led by someone with lived experience yeah that's almost like well they're kind of like former addicts so what, why would I listen to them? But from listening to the podcast and kind of knowing like you and Pete and the work that you do, it's exactly why you should be listening to them because they've been at those kind of like points Definitely. where they were questioning they didn't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And the fact that you've gone from rock bottom to now being in a position where you're giving so much back, you're kind of showcasing like these tools, these coping mechanisms, whether it's the gym, breath work you know you yeah. do ice baths now yeah. it's I it's fun
1: that, that's all holistic stuff that was not part of my plan when i created yeah. the project <laughs> um but and i've met my girlfriend my current girlfriend kim through the project and that's her area she loves all that holistic stuff and uh you know it's it's becoming quite a big part yeah. of the project now although i do fight it so i don't understand it i'm like that i have to <laughs> understand why you're doing yeah. what you're doing but it's you know, it's becoming quite a big part now. And it's, well, I have such amazing support around me. So this project isn't possible without my mum and dad's support. You know, they have financially supported me yeah. to get it off the ground. You know, it wouldn't, We wouldn't be here without, you know, Pete has been with me since day dot. Yeah. You know, he was there when we had a little notepad and just jotting down notes. Pete left his job as, as in construction to come and work for the project. And he's been there a year now. I've got Claire, who works for me, who's got such great experience. I've got Beth, Cheryl, Lauren, so, so many people. It's a
0: community now. Yeah. I need to ask you a question. Yeah, go on. Do you think your parents are prouder now than what they were when you joined the police?
1: I would say so, yeah. I would say so. Um, how does that feel? I feel because, you know, because now I've got a daughter, I can understand how it makes them feel they've got a son they didn't want to be here no more as a parent it's hard not to take that yeah. personal. i understand that now um because i think in today's society taylor it's, it's it's all about what's wrong with you yeah it's never what's happened to you mm-hmm. and that's what i want to you know that someone you know if i walk past someone in a in a doorway, you no know, i don't i don't look at them. And go, what's wrong with that person i know what's wrong with them yeah. what's happened to them why are they to get to so I, I look back and I, I think back as a little boy and girl, they would have been, you know, running around having a good time. This wouldn't have been in the plan. Something that's gone horribly wrong for that individual. Um, but but this
0: is what makes the Dynamite Project so important because you're giving people the tools to find out or even to process the what happened to get to yeah, that
1: point. And it's a big part is we need to. I want to raise awareness around addiction. So the coffee shop,
0: um, which is beautiful. Yeah. By yeah, the way.
1: Yeah the food
0: yeah. the good coffee yeah it is good coffee
1: yeah it is good coffee but it's a it's a public space i come out of there so we might be in group with the residents and then walk into the coffee shop and there's a family sat there yeah you know we're trying to help people with addiction and there's families and it promotes conversation about addiction um because i think there is a stigma maybe attached to, to addiction still um it's, it's
0: so easy to write someone off though isn't it of course it is yeah it's like everyone deserves a second chance everyone has made mistakes But with,
1: with addicts second chance more like mustard it might be the fourth fifth eighth ninth, mm-hmm. you know it's just I, I i i hear families tell their loved ones you know if you use this time that's it yeah and i know they i know they're trying to help but it's probably the worst thing we can say mm-hmm. to addicts because it's very difficult just to stop like that very difficult
0: if there are anyone that is listening to this who was yeah. kind of has been where you are or is currently where you used to be um what advice would you say um
1: so you' know what dynamos dedicate yourself now, miracles occur that's what dynamo stands for is it yeah
0: yeah yeah i I, I didn't even know no, that I just thought it was just called the dynamo yeah
1: dedicate yourself now and miracles occur wow So it's like we so, I'm going to answer your question. What advice is that? My advice is that you need to reach out for help, but don't expect this to be done for you. You know, you're going to have to, this is going to require a lot of effort and dedication on your part. But it's hard to do it without support and stability around you. That's why our houses are above and beyond. Because some days, and this goes for non addicts too, some days you need to dig down deep and find that 1% you need to get through that day. And if you're sat in a, in a shithole, and you need to find that 1%, you might be lacking it that day. So that's why we make our houses very nice, because they might sit there and go, you know what, I'm gonna have to work harder today, because I'm gonna lose this. So that's why we make the houses so nice. But we build it. To tackle addiction, Taylor, you need four key cornerstones, health, home, community, and purpose. And that's what we build the project on if you if you work well in all four areas of them you've got a really good chance of recovery but they just need to there is support out there they know who we are and you literally just walk in the coffee shop i don't care how you word it I don't care what you say you just say i don't care if you come in i'm fucked whatever however you want to word it just come in the coffee shop we can't help everybody you know and when we we try our hardest not to give that false illusion that we we've got the answer to every single problem we haven't um we do a lot of work with abstinent people that are abstinent there's organizations like that work primarily as service users do great job there's not so much we can do for service users that's people that are still using but we we can help in every way that we can and we try we try our hardest to mate and you're doing a Incredible I, job! I of it. fall short, Taylor. I'm a I'm a deeply flawed individual. I fail daily. But despite that, I don't use no, and that's the message But you also itself.
0: show up as well. Yeah. Despite those tough days, because I'm a, I'm a big like a very very big believer in like you can do absolutely anything. The only thing you can't do is give up. Yeah. So it's like the fact that you are showing up despite the stigma, despite those bad days, yeah. mate. To to listen to that, like from someone who's never kind of been in your position, is inspiring. So the fact that there's people out there who are have kind of been in your shoes or are kind of in that position now, that you've got people like yourself, Pete, like the whole team,
1: yeah, of lived experience,
0: like it's mate, it's it's inspiring.
1: Yeah, I think it's like it's impossible to feel hundred percent every day, but it does not mean you can't give a hundred percent every day. So that's, be days where I, I don't feel it, but I try and give 100%. I'm 100% in in, in most things, to be honest, if I've got my mind to yeah. it. Um, yeah, all good. Hey,
0: I've got two final questions yeah, for you. Yeah, go on. The one-year anniversary. Yeah. You've got a massive day planned, lots of celebrations. Yeah. Local artists, like lots going on.
1: Yeah.
0: Tell me about it. Where is it? What so time?
1: Our, our open mics, uh, this is an idea from my girlfriend to have an open mic event once a month and i think music has a real good way of bringing bringing people together um and in doing so we can promote not perhaps right, the wrong word raise awareness don't yeah. promote addiction but raise awareness around addiction and the open mics have got bigger and bigger so it made sense to celebrate our one year with another open mic and um Shout out to Alan at the RTB rooms. He's, he's allowed us Which to Which is the
0: old litton Tree, old lit and if anyone wants yeah.
1: um, It's not a Lytton Tree no more, not a pub. People say, what are you having it in the pub for? And I say, it's not a pub oh, no, yeah, more. no It's like an art space <laughs> yeah, now, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have got um, we're want to celebrate it with an open mic event. It's, it's, it's open to the whole community. It's on this Saturday. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward, they want me to go out and do a talk in front of everybody.
0: Yeah, you could do it. Be, I'm all
1: right once I get started. We you saying, Karen, get off.
0: It's like an hour and a half later.
1: <laughs> yeah, get off.
0: <laughs> okay, final question. Yeah. Obviously, I asked you this at the start. It's a staple now of the Addiction yeah. to Recovery podcast. What question are you leaving for your next guest?
1: Uh, do you believe addiction is a, is a result of nature or nurture? That's the the million-dollar question. Are you born with it? Or is it to do with your environment that you grow up on? There's no, I don't mean there is an answer to it, but it'd be good to get therapy. Nature or nurture?
0: Well, I was going to like sign off the episode, but considering it's your show, do you want to (laughs) thank people for listening?
1: I I want to thank you. And um, (laughs) it's a good experience to do that. And Ultimately, the aim of this podcast for me personally today is that People just know me a little bit better. That's it. You know, I'm no better than anyone. I'm no worse than anyone. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a recovering drug addict, um, deeply flawed individual. Make mistakes daily, but I do try my best to to help other people. And do
0: you think you finally have the answer to who Kieran is now?
1: Um, I mean, are we always on a journey of self-discovery? It never ends, does it? Yeah, I know I'm a a troubled person. I'm always, uh, I, 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 you know, I've had mood swings still and I have down days, but um, since I put down drinking drugs, my life has got better. And I know that I am there for my daughter. I show up, I'm there every time. I have a beautiful relationship with my daughter. And when someone asks Freya what your daddy does, I know, because I've heard her say he helps people. And that's... Hero. That's all, I, that's all I want for my daughter is to is to grow up and, and be happy with who her dad is and not not to feel ashamed who her dad was because she she grew up in an environment where I was using drugs, it would have been a disaster. But thankfully that's not the case today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Smashed it. Thank you Taylor
1: for, for interviewing me.
0: Anytime you know that, like mm-hmm. it's an absolute pleasure to kind of be, yeah. facilitate these kind of conversations. Like I'm a huge advocate for what you do. And yeah, thank you for, kind of being so open and honest with it all.
1: No problem, thank you. (laughs)